Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you've made a movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you give away the killer early on in a movie and then try to cover it up with really dumb characters and a super happy soundtrack? Why you get the mutilator, or some may know it, Fall Break. When the leaves of summer turn red and gold And the football games bring a hint of the cold Time to get away We'll pack the car with escape in mind Forgetting about classes, leaving books behind Time to get away Empty cottage sitting on the shore Tore us all left about a month we're gonna have a good time. Gonna have a good time. Yeah, we're gonna have a good time. We're going on out. A ball break, ball walking hand in hand in the moonlight. We'll be the sweets all day. I swear we'll never part. We're going on out. A ball break, ball running break. in the sand, feeling all right. And when you fall into my arms, I'll break. Into your heart. Why, we're back for another episode. And this week's movie is brought to us by listener Scott Crawford. Now, this movie is called The Mutilator, but I had to find it out there as Fall Break. And he did point me to the fact that it does have two different names. Now, I don't understand why they called it Fall Break instead of The Mutilator, other than it takes place during their fall break. Like, if that's the reason why, or it might be from that really crappy intro song that you heard. I mean, that's kind of like if you took hollow notes and you turned them into a cover band, and then you took that cover band and you replaced every member of hollow notes with really crappy musicians, and you made it really poppy, and that's it. <laughs> you You basically made a really shitty hollow notes knockoff that's a cover band that doesn't even do hollow notes songs uh and i like hollow notes by the way i'm not knocking them at all but that's like super super cheery and cheesy and it doesn't fit there there are a couple times where the music totally does not fit in this movie and the fact that it takes you about 10 in between 10 to 15 minutes to actually get to the theme song of the movie it's weird I mean, it doesn't even happen during the long intro that goes on because it goes from intro to intro again, then to those credits. Well, not even to those credits, to college, then the intro credits. Like, it makes absolutely no sense to me. This film is the brainchild of Buddy Cooper. Now, who is Buddy Cooper, do you ask? 
Well, he's the producer and director and writer and really only is known for The Mutilator and Fall Break, the making of The Mutilator, and a movie called No Time. No Time was in 1994, The Mutilator, of course, in 1984, and this making of wasn't done until 2016. Wait, what? 2016? That's when they finally decided to go back on it? Now, you see, this movie was extremely hard to find. And they recently, and I mean really recently, released it on the Blu-ray. And you can find that Blu-ray on Amazon or whatever sites that you like to buy movies from. Uh, But in terms of watching it online in any type of streaming service, there was really only one route to go. And that was renting it from YouTube, at least for me. I did happen to find two versions of it out there, though. I did find one full version on YouTube that I didn't have to rent, but it was all in French. And then I did find another version out there that was in Russian. It was English with Russian dub. And it wasn't even like a good Russian dub. I'm talking that here's the Russian dub, and they're talking English in the background, but you're listening to him talk over the English in Russian. And it's really shitty. I might take a little clip of that and stick it up on the Facebook page. In fact, after you listen to this, please go to the Facebook page. And I'm going to pretty much uh, put a small video clip up there so you can see what I found. Now, it did have subtitles too. So if I really wanted to watch it, I could watch it in uh, English subtitles. You know, read it while they're speaking English while it's being overdubbed in Russian. And what was kind of weird to me too is that it looked like there was more dialogue. Like, they added some stuff to it. So it might be kind of interesting to go back and watch that version and to see if they added things in there where things didn't make sense in this movie, especially when we get to talking about the end of this film. Now, I should say that this film is... It's only an hour and 26 minutes, but it does feel longer in some places, and it takes place over just one night. I was expecting it to be a little longer with the premise that they put up there, but turns out all you need is an hour and 26 minutes to kill off a bunch of teenagers and have a conclusion. That doesn't make much sense. Well, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and let's talk about The Mutilator, also known as Fall Break. The movie begins pretty quietly, opening upon a house. And I mean, it just opens on a house. That's the first thing that you see out of the entire film no credits nothing else then we go inside and we see what i assume to be a mom wife and she's making a birthday cake for who i don't know yet we then get this weird type of like stalker cam where it's looking upon the mom and i'm like oh great we're already gonna kill somebody off in the beginning of this movie and that's how the whole mutilator thing comes to be well it turns out no it's actually is her son and she, he's trying to be really uh, you know, silent and creep around the house not to disturb her while she's making the cake. And what he's decided to do is he's going to go to what I guess is his dad's gun safe and clean his guns for him. He actually makes a nice little sign that says, Happy birthday, Dad. You know, I clean these for you. And he gets out and he starts waxing his gun. I, I mean... The, the guns from the gun safe, not anything else you out there with dirty, dirty minds. Now, in the midst of waxing that gun, uh, it prematurely goes off and shoots the mom right through the fucking wall. I mean, it's it's really laughable, like, what it does. I mean, I understand that it is a shotgun, and shotguns, of course, 
they can you know penetrate through things but it well maybe it's not a shotgun actually it might even be just be a rifle but that's got to be some really shitty housework for the gun to go right through and it's really good aim for the kim because he shoots the mom right in the back and it leaves a huge fucking hole i mean it's not like it had like the velocity didn't even get stopped by the wall the fact that she's got like uh I don't know. I, I wouldn't say like a quarter-sized hole, but she's got a substantial hole. Maybe it's about uh, four or five inches. Uh, you know, its its uh, diameter is about that big. Uh, but it's a relatively big hole that he creates in her back. And, of course, at this point, uh, you know, he runs over the kitchen. is oh, mama, mama, I can't believe I shot you type thing. And dad comes home. And now dad... He gets all weirded out, creeped out. You know, he sees his wife there on the floor dead. He goes after the son, grabs the son, put it away. And then he drags the body into the study where the guns and stuff are. He props her up against his, like, armchair and takes the birthday note that the son wrote and puts it on the mom's chest. Therefore, I assume, scarring his son for the rest of his life. Because, hey, guess what you got for daddy's birthday? You got a dead wife and you got a dead mom. And now I'm fucking stuck being a single dad for the rest of my life. Which, necessarily, you don't have to do. But, you know, that's what ends up happening to him because he just starts drinking and that's that. It's at this point that we cut into the future. Uh, And there's not a really good transition because all of a sudden we go from hearing the sirens showing up to check out what's going on with the mom though nobody called the cops at least in the house uh maybe the boy did off camera but it doesn't really see anything like or seem like he actually did uh but they're coming but then from that point it cuts over to a bar where we have the kid who's now all grown up and his name is ed and he's there with his friends and they're discussing what to do for their fall break fall break and here we sit no plans, nothing to do. I've been warning you since September. Go to the beach, go to the mountains, do something. Don't say I didn't tell you so. Well, why don't you make some reservations? I should have, but you guys never agree on anything. So we'll sit around here just like we did last year. It's depressing. So that's Pam talking to Ed Jr. And yes, that is Big Ed, that was his father. Uh, and we also have Mike, and I believe that it is uh, Linda that is around the table for this one. Uh, there is another character uh, that Sue... Oh, no, yes, I am correct. This is Linda here, because Sue does come in later. And we're also introduced into Ralph. And Ralph's kind of a bitch. Uh, I mean, not in that he's a... oh No, like, he seems to be everybody's whipping boy. And at least beginning part of the movie, he's kind of the butt of some of the jokes that happen. But... Supposedly, he's also kind of an asshole because he likes to play pranks on everybody and make little funny ha-ha things that only an idiot would really find funny. But, of course, you know, that's the way that it's going to go in this film. You need to have your archetypes for your different types of characters, right? So you need to have, you know, well, there actually isn't a slut in this one, which I was very surprised with. But... Again, you have a bunch of college students that all they want to do is drink beer, Ralph being the smartass of the group, and you have the the other gentleman, Mike, uh, who talks like he's Dolph Lundgren and He-Man. I mean, it's that type of dialogue that he gets, and 
he, you know, he's not around much. And Linda happens to be his girlfriend. Pam, uh, I assume at this point, is Ed Jr.'s girlfriend. And Ralph, uh, well, we'll meet his girlfriend a little later on when they go to pick her up. So the four of them are sitting around the table, and they're discussing what exactly they're going to be doing for the fall break. Which, of course, Linda gives a great response. Well, anybody got any good ideas for break? I'm going to set a new high score on video machine. I'm going to watch. Oh, great. Yeah, that sounds like a ton of fucking fun. Uh, I'm going to go on the video machine. Can't you just call it a video game? Like, you couldn't get the rights to anything? Like, you couldn't just say, you know, or Man Pack, you know, something like that. Uh, Or, you know, Donkey Kong, you know, something that is, uh, you know, could sound like a video game, but you're not really going to say it because you don't want to get sued by the other companies. You know, Nintendo's not going to come after you for saying Mario instead of Mario. At least you could have said video game. You don't have to say video machine. Or, you know what? You don't want to talk about video games. Say fucking pinball. I'm going to play a pinball machine for a couple of days. And I'm going to see if I can get the fucking high score. It's still boring as fuck. But at least at this point, you've said something that makes sense. Ugh. Well, so, Ed receives a phone call. And it's a call to, uh, to tell him to call his dad back. For some reason, I guess the bar is accepting phone calls and his dad knows exactly where he's going to be. Or he got a call from somewhere. You know what? It doesn't make any fucking sense. So we'll, we're just going to skip it. Uh, this prompts uh, Linda to ask, wasn't his dad dead? I thought Ed's father was dead. His mother is dead. God, it was a terrible accident, too. What happened? When he was a little boy, Ed accidentally shot her. Drove his father crazy. I can understand it. Now, I may have jumped the gun a little bit here by telling you already that this is Ed Jr. And if you couldn't figure it out by watching it just in a little bit, okay, I ruined it for you. I'm sorry. But honestly, we know that it goes into the future. And I understand maybe you don't think that that's the kid grown up. Maybe not at first, but... It's kind of obvious even by the trailers that are kind of going out there and the way that they're setting everything up that it has something to do with the kid. Now, I could have guessed that maybe the whole movie is going to be based around the kid later on, but turns out it's based around the kid right now. We also get another little scene of Ralph. Well, not Ralph this, this case. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's Ed being a whiny bitch for the stuff that his dad wants him to do. All my life, the creeps ignored me and treated me like some red-headed bastard. Uh, and, oh, sorry. It, now, all of a sudden, he calls me up and asks me to do something. He tells me I'm old enough to take the responsibility. What'd you say? I told him to do his homework. What'd he say? He said if I didn't do it, it wouldn't get done. Face it like a man. But I'm not going to do it. I mean, what a jerk. How much work? Turn off the water, turn off electricity, pour some antifreeze in the plumbing. Any 10-year-old can handle it. Okay, so I've got two issues here with this whole conversation. Besides Ed being a whiny bitch, that would be number three. The first, yeah, that shit is very easy to do. All he wants you to do is to go over to his condo that is on the beach and fucking close the place up. Clean it up. Do what you need to do. Turn it off for the winter because nobody's going to be using it during that time. 
dude, you killed his wife and your mom. The least that you could fucking do is clean out the damn condo for him. Like, is that too much to ask? It must be because he's just, oh, he's never been there. Of course he doesn't want to be in your life. You fucking ruined it. You left him a single dead. It sucks. Okay, he's gonna be mad. You do not have the right to bitch. If I've somehow killed my mom or I killed my dad, I would be the one responsible for doing anything that he fucking wants. I mean, it's short of like killing somebody else or killing myself. You know, I'm not gonna do that. But honestly, you need to just acquiesce to your dad. He asked you to do something. Yeah, he became a drunk and he became a drunk because of you. Okay. He didn't become a drunk because of anybody else. It's not like he was always drinking there. At least from the, you know, the little bit of backstory that we have from the beginning of the film. Who knows? She looked like a very happy woman. But turns out, uh, she's dead because of you. So just fucking man up and do that shit. Now, what also happens is that they all get the great idea. Oh, hey, you know what? This is what we can do for our fall break. We can go. It's so stupid saying that, by the way. But we can go to the damn house and spend some time on the beach and help you clean up. So you got friends there that are willing to help you. And they're all complaining before you even start whining yourself about what are we going to do. You could have just been like, oh, hey, my dad wants me to clean up this place. You know what I think would be a really good idea? We all go out there and we all pitch in. You know, we'll get a bunch of beers or, you know, we'll go do stuff on the beach, have a bonfire, do all these cool things that we can do because my dad owns a fucking condo on the beach. And I look like some preppy asshole, especially when the later scenes where he's wearing the fucking sweater over his shirt, fucking tennis player motherfucker. You know, you really, it, it boggles my mind that the character is like this and not like totally being like, you know, I almost goes, it's almost like he's like, well, that was in the past. So, you know, it shouldn't count anymore. When you kill your mom, you can never let that go. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. It's not like you accidentally let the puppy out of the house and he got loose and got hit by a car. That's a little bit of an accident. And no offense, it's a dog. Um, and, uh, you know, it's sad that it happens, but we can always get over the loss of the dog. Uh, you know, in some cases, of course, there are some people that have dogs that they really love. And, you know, I did too at one point. Um, but when you kill your mom, come on, do what the man says. So they all do get the idea to get together, go ahead, go out there and clean the place up. And uh, that's when we cut to the next day and we get to meet Sue, Ralph's girlfriend. And he tries to make some little joke about how she's not actually coming, so he can't go. And then she pops up and they have a laugh and she tries to hit him. And then Ralph asks for a road soda. Come on. This guy's not convinced we're going anywhere. So my philosophy is... Let's have some beer. <laughs> Here's where we also get one of the tropes of this movie that is in a lot of horror movies. It's the non-starting car. I assume that this is going to come back later in the film. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and find out. Hint, hint, wink, wink. So they drive off, and it's at this point, finally, finally, that the credits roll. And we get to see everybody that's in the movie. We get to see that Buddy Cooper did the whole thing. And then, of course, they're starring Ben Moore. And I really couldn't find anything about this guy, but 
that it's an also starring means that it's probably some B movie horror guy. Maybe that was popular at the time, or maybe he was an old like fifties, sixties actor that has been in something I should know about. And he just did this movie for the money. And it was one way to try to get the draw or he's absolutely nobody. And they just put it in there because you know, he's an old guy and that's it. So they're long scenes of them driving around the highway while the cheesy's music's playing. And then they go and they should end up at some type of like convenience store on the side. Ralph, the smartass that he is, tries to negotiate with a guy behind the counter and hilarity ensues. Will that be old? Maybe. Hey, how old do you have to be to get that discount? 65. 65? Hey man, now that's discrimination. It is. It sure is. Look, I'm a law student, so I don't know. That discriminates against me for being young. It does. Well, sure it does. Look tell you what i'm gonna do if you'll give me that 10 percent discount i'll go get another six pack of beer and we'll both benefit now what do you say to that sure okay there's one thing that i totally forgot before i played that clip and i want to go back to it just for a second before we move on at the end of this when they actually show up there is a freeze frame of the car smoking and i mean billowing smoke out of the engine and i don't understand why that was put in there like why they couldn't just go and show them stopping and show the the you know air going the only thing i could think of is that they wanted to play more of that crappy theme song like they wanted to finish the song and he couldn't figure out how to do it without going to the next scene so while in editing he just said let's freeze frame this one scene and then when the music's done then we'll let the movie move on and everything will be cool and nobody will fucking notice but the freeze frame is like 10 seconds which is a long time in a film for you to watch somebody not do anything and wondering what the fuck is going on that's when we have the scene previous with ralph well ralph comes out after he's gotten his 10 percent discount after buying a second case and thinks he's got the jump on the guys but the guy's wife comes in some random scene talking to the store owner and explains what a dumbass he is. Another one of those smart-ass college kids talking themselves into buying two six-packs instead of one. Yep. <laughs> Man, they sure showed him. There's more scenes of driving until they finally arrive at the house. And everything is not quite what it seems to be. As they're going to enter the house, they notice that the door, well, Ralph, I should say, notices that the door is open and that they don't need the keys to get in. So somebody has left the house open, which they believe to be his father. When they go inside, everything is a fucking mess. There's alcohol bottles everywhere. They're meant to clean up this whole place. And his dad, as they explained in the beginning, he has bouts where he goes mental. And uh, if that's not foreshadowing, I don't know what is. And, and, I really don't want to talk about this part until later in the film. I mean, there's more shit that's going to go, but my thoughts on this. Because I had a a guess at this point in the film what was going to happen. Because they started showing some weird things. And, well, you know, before I really get into that, it gives a little more insight into his father in these scenes. I say my dad had a little help bringing on his spell. What do you mean? Well, he likes to come down with his drinking buddies and they swap lies about the good old days when they were great white hunters and macho men. Macho, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dad used to tell me that he'd hunted everything but man. And you kind of go into the living room at this point and you see all these like trophies that he's killed, that his dad has killed. And they're all shit. 
they're all like really fake, really plastic shit. I get it, low budget, I understand it, but it's a little jarring to see some of these things on the wall where I could go into Walmart and I could buy that freaking fish on the wall and it'll sing to me at least, you know, but it looks exactly the same as what's being hung in there. Going through these trophies in that room, that Ralph finds a picture of somebody that has these giant freaking gashes over his stomach. And he wonders kind of what's up with that guy saying, Looks like the party's over for this choker. <gasps> yeah, my dad ran over him with a ski boat. An accident. Okay, why would you have a picture of some random guy that you accidentally ran over that has giant fucking gashes in his stomach and is obviously dead, framed, and sitting in your house. Um, your dad's just having a spell when he drinks? Your dad's just, what's going on? Of course, of course my dad's not crazy. Come on, guys. You know, anything could be going on there. Uh, you know, he just likes to, to hold on to these things. I mean, listen to Ed speak about his dad in the following scene. Tell us about this. This one's great. One night, Big Ed, I mean, Dad, and his buddies were all over here having a drinking party, and they decided to have a contest. Hey, let's throw pyramid singers to the wall. <laughs> you know, they almost made it. Well... Dad won the contest, naturally, and this was his winning toss. He was so proud, he nailed a picture frame around it. So he's happy that he threw what looks like a spearhead into the wall, and it's stuck there beating everybody else out, and so I'm going to frame it? Yeah, Ed, your dad's not crazy. He is fucking insane. What the hell is wrong with this guy? They also go around the room and they find out that the battle axe is missing. And that's his dad's favorite. And then we <laughs> we get a shot of some dude in a dark place holding on to the battle axe. And it is pretty dark, so you can't quite make him out. But it looks like that's Big Ed. So that's his dad down there holding the battle axe. But we don't know where he is at this point in the film. They also go through more of the stuff that he has there, including some, like, hook that he has. They talk about how he got this shark with a hook and it had babies and his son turns out to be just as creepy as he is. Uh, and then they run across some type of, like, mask where they talk about sacrificing virgins and it, it kind of sparks up a weird conversation. Tell me they sacrifice lambs and little things like that? Yeah, little things like that. No, big things like girls victims young virgins were shot with arrows or sometimes beheaded oh, take this away from me <laughs> virgins huh well at least we're all safe or are we okay now you know who's going to survive in this movie i won't ruin it for you but they're talking about the virgins and they're looking right at someone specific and in that scene is ralph uh sue Pam and Ed. So one can only guess what's going to happen because somebody's the virgin and this is the 80s and virgins always survive horror movies. You've seen Scream. I've seen Scream. They know exactly what's kind of going on already. So 
they all decide that they're going to play a game of Monopoly for a little bit. But Mike and Linda decide, oh, we're going to go out for a little walk. They go down into the garage and you get one of the many fun puns that this film presents to you. Hey, maybe this is where he keeps the mask of the sun god Zeus. Yeah, well, maybe this is where he keeps the mask of the moon god Goose. <laughs> <laughs> We also have them, they come back upstairs for a second before they go walking out on the beach. And you, there's a shot of Ralph and Sue as Ralph's holding Sue and they're looking out to the ocean. And you can tell how utterly fake the backdrop is. If there's one thing about this film, it's that you can tell how low budget it is. Like a movie like Evil Dead. And, you know, I don't like to bring really good horror movies and try to compare and contrast, but it's just kind of the comparison that I have to give because Evil Dead was an extremely low-budget movie, but I never felt that anything in that movie was low-budget. Like, there are a couple of scenes, maybe some more in Evil Dead 2 when he gets sucked into the universe, uh, and you can see, you know, the backdrop doesn't look as very good there, green screen. But this looks really horrible. And I know it's 1984, but there are other films that were out at this time that were using green screen effects to much better effect than these guys were. So you've got to know that that budget is pretty low. But the fact that they probably filmed this in this house or wherever they were on whatever lot they were using, uh, you know, that they couldn't get the time of day to make the shot. So they had to, you know, improvise, put a green screen up and shoot a sunset type thing when maybe it was possibly dark outside like it is for the rest of the fucking movie. Meanwhile, we're also getting more shots of what now clearly looks like Ed, uh, Ed's dad uh, holding the battle axe and kind of going through these weird motions. And they keep cutting back between these specific scenes. Uh, and I would really... You need to go and see if you can find these scenes uh, on YouTube because there's basically many different ways they show of Ed, Big Ed, killing Ed Jr., who happens to be, I believe, the director's son because uh, I, I didn't catch the first name, but the last name was Cooper. And the the mother that gets killed in the beginning of the film also had the last name Cooper. So I'm thinking that his wife and his son actually were in this movie, and he killed his wife and his son. Well, he didn't really kill his son, but he had multiple scenes of Ed killing his son. And it goes from him getting his throat sliced, to him getting chopped, to him getting mutilated in some other form. And it's really disturbing how many times we see this kid get killed how many times are you gonna kill a kid in a film i understand that it's you know kind of all in your head uh and that you're probably going crazy but seriously do we need to see it that many times i believe it's four times four different times that we get it and i could be wrong it could be less i'm just trying to remember off the top of my head but it's still not something that I necessarily need to see in a film. So uh, it's just kind of odd that they put that disposition in this film between the two of them. And, and I guess this is where a little of the backstory to the film kind of comes in. I don't want to say backstory, uh, but it's a little more into the psyche, I guess is the better way you want to kind of address it of Big Ed and what's been going through his mind. And now that he's drunk off his ass, supposedly possibly at partying for multiple days, he's thinking about nothing but killing his son. Uh, but his young son, I don't know if he's going to kill his current son. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. 
And this is one of the times where I thought something was going to be one way and it turned out to be much different. Uh, And again, I will say that at the end of this podcast because I feel that it will, it might lead you down the wrong path for what's going on. So Mike and Linda, they finally leave the house before everybody else while the rest of the people are playing Monopoly and drinking and they decide to go out uh, walking on the beach. Now, they've been gone for a little while, so the rest of the group decides we're going to follow them. And we actually meet up with Mike and Linda, and then there's some weird swimming pool. And there's this very strong smell of chlorine that's affecting the way Linda thinks straight. What's wrong with the water? It looks like it's been loaded down with chlorine. Will that hurt you? No, in fact, it probably prevents herpes. Oh, I didn't know I had to be concerned about that. Ooh, what a burn. She's saying you got herpes, dude. Uh, So they go into the pool, and it looks like this is going to be a skinny dipping scene. And uh, I'm going to play you 30 seconds of a song that they use in this scene as they're taking off their clothes. And they take off multiple pieces of clothes, but (laughs) this does not match the scene like they could have done something else they could have used cheesy porno music they could have you know bow chicka wow wow their way through this whole thing but instead you get to hear this over the entire time they're taking off all of their clothes and it reminded me of something and I couldn't put my finger on it right away but the more I listen to it it sounds like the Cheers theme song like everybody's gonna be knowing their names because they're gonna be swimming in this pool fucking naked and probably gonna die that way which sucks sucks totally now the other thing that's really funny during this scene is a goof in the scene. And and I don't normally catch these very often, but this one was pretty funny because uh, honestly, I was looking for boob. Uh, I'm not going to lie about this. I'm like, oh great, they're going to go skinny dipping, so they're going to jump in the water and you're going to see whatever. Well, when they go to jump in the water, if you look in the top left part of the screen, and this happens, and I wrote down the time at 32 minutes and 18 seconds, you can see the girl that jumps into the water is clothed in at least a bikini or in her panties and her bra she has clothes on there is nothing that you see when she jumps in the water so the stunt person that's jumping in there is not going to be naked but luckily enough we do get something out of linda in this situation and it's kind of ugly boobs it kind of sucks you get a you know first i was like oh look you get a side boob and then there's a whole shot of her coming out of the water and um you just have to see it for yourself i'm not trying to be a misogynist or anything here but of course you know man first everything else second uh i kind of wanted to see some boobs when you're watching a horror film it's just one of those tropes that you get hey if there was man ass in there too there's man ass in there too but you know maybe there should have been because that would have made the scene at least a little more livelier um than what we actually got well so they're swimming around the pool 
and they're playing like Marco Polo with each other, hiding and popping out of the water. Uh, to one point, Linda pops out of the water, and then hands pop out and drag her back underneath the water, uh, ultimately drowning her. Now, at first, I thought that maybe she was just unconscious, but later on, when something happens, she never really regains any type of consciousness, and you never see her around again, so it's good to assume that she's dead. Well, uh, whoever is killing uh, Linda here steals all the clothes that both her and Mike brought. And then uh, Mike gets out of the pool, and of course he gets a little upset that the fact that, oh, my clothes are gone, uh, that he all of a sudden he notices there's a trail of clothing that he follows. And kind of like James Woods and Fandom Guy, he goes after that trail of clothes. Ooh, a piece of candy. Ooh, a piece of candy. Ooh, a piece of candy. And slowly but surely starts putting back on his clothes as he's walking around. Well, this leads him... What I didn't realize at first, and now I realize where it is, it leads him back to the house. And it leads him underneath the house. And when he's searching and he sees, because he sees her bra, and he's like, oh, baby, you know, I found the bra. And then he sees panties hanging up. He decides that he's going to go open the door, gets a shock, uh, a little bit of a scare. And there's a a decent jump scare, too, involving a sign uh, that maybe in the theater might have gotten me. But at home, I was just kind of like, eh, okay, it doesn't, you know, it works. Uh but the next spot that we got uh, is actually one that did make me jump a little because it's so loud. And I apologize for the clip if it gets a little loud, but I thought it was funny because uh, you get Ed's dad who brings out a weed whacker, which I thought was a chainsaw at first because it sounded like it. But it's a weed whacker uh, that cuts the shit out of Mike. And I thought it was hilarious the way that he died in his screams because it sounds like he's jizzing his pants to death. I'm coming to get me of that old adam sandler bit is it sex or two men working out well is it some guy dying or is it guy you know jizzing himself uh to completion because it really sounds bad at the end of that so you do get a clear shot of uh big ed in this scene and you know that he's the one that killed linda and now he's the one that has killed mike because he also hangs Linda up on these spikes that he has in his little cubby hole inside the garage. I guess now he's actually able to hunt the greatest threat, man. We cut back to the gang uh, with uh, Sue and Ralph and Pam and Ed Jr. All on the beach walking around. They're looking for Mike and can't seem to find him or Linda. Where they're interrupted by Beach Patrol, who happens to be Ben Moore. Now this is one of the little longer clips in here. Uh, but it's kind of the back and forth between him and them and kind of explaining what's going on and Pam's worries. What are you doing out here at night on the beach anyway? We're staying at my father's condo up that way. Right here along the street, the one that runs along the ocean. Yeah, he was closing his condo for the winter when he became ill, and we all came down to help finish up. It's the only one around here with any lights on. I saw some men around there yesterday. 
their car was gone. I didn't see anyone there today. Well, somebody was there today. When we came, the door was open and one of his father's things was missing. Is that right? Yeah, but I'm sure my father just took it home with him. Look, I'm going to give him a call in the morning, and if it's not right, I'll report it. All right, I've noted it. And I'm not going to make it official until you call it in. Okay. So they leave together, uh, the, the group does, to go still look for Mike and Linda. And uh, Ben Moore here, he decides to go back towards the house and check everything out. Now... When the killer is near, everything kind of flips over into first-person mode, uh, you know, and that was very made famous by Halloween. Uh, it was something that John Carpenter did to give you the eyesight of the killer to incite more fear because you know what's going to happen uh, and you're helpless to, to see what's going to go on uh, because these people are idiots. But what's weird is that while not quite Friday the 13th Jason sound effects, uh, we do get Jason sounds every time uh, that the killer is on the hunt. Here, I'm going to play you a short clip of one. Now, every time the killer is coming, you hear... It's straight up ripping off Friday the 13th. Now, Friday the 13th did come out in 1980. So you had this type of killer sound effect before. And they're just really, I believe they're blatantly ripping it off and trying to get in on some of that action. Well, turns out that Ben is not a very good beach patrol cop guy because he gets stabbed in the face by a machete that Ed Jr., or not Ed Jr., uh, Big Ed is holding. He stabs him right in between like the eye and the cheek and just plunges it in. And the effect is actually pretty good. You also get him slicing off uh, the Ben's head here, and it looks great. I mean, you can kind of tell where the budget went. It went into the kills uh, for this film, uh, plain and simple, for, for most of them. I mean, some of them are kind of off camera, but this is the only one that's truly something that you see. Like when you see uh, Ed killing Mike with the uh, weed whacker, you first see him kind of come at the screen with a weed whacker and then it goes up uh, and it's just kind of in him and you kind of see the blood spurting out. But then you get a whole shot of Mike with his chest all opened up and everything like that. And that's kind of cool. And it looks pretty good. It's a little dark and I understand why it might be dark, uh, but it looks good and the gore effects are relatively good in this film. So now that Ben's dead, we go back to the group and they decide, well, we can't find Michael Linda, so let's go back to the house. And of course, at this point, Ralph really only has a one-track mind. Let's hurry up and finish the game. It's almost bedtime. You have a one-track mind. I do not have a two-track mind. Oh, yeah? What's the other one on? Well, right now it's on sex, too, but not always. <laughs> oh, bad. Uh, you're not complaining, are you? Well, no. <laughs> right. Okay, he has a two-track mind. I'm sorry. Please give me a break. So they go back to the house. They're going to finish up the Monopoly game, but they decide, you know what? We don't really want to finish Monopoly. So we're going to play Blind Man's Bluff. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I've ever actually played that game. And I really didn't know what was going to go on or how it was going to be played. But luckily, you know, they spend a good portion of this movie, uh, not like really long, but long enough explaining exactly how blind man bluff is played blind man's bluff 
I don't believe it. We're going to grope around in the dark? Would you rather grope in the light? Get serious. First, everybody gets a beer. That's the important part. Then we turn off all the lights. Whoever is it stays in the house, and the rest of us go outside and drink a beer. Then the person playing it hides himself, and we all come back in and try to find him. When we do, we stand or sit or lie down next to him. Finally, there'll just be one person wandering around the house trying to find everybody else. Sounds like great fun. You'll see. You'll see. Okay, so what I get from maybe having this in the movie is to get a comparison to the serial killer type of movies, right? So you play Blind Man's Bluff, and a lot of times when you have these type of films where it's a slasher film, there's always, like, everybody kind of gets cut off, and there's only really one guy that's looking for everybody to kill him, right? And that's what kind of ends up not necessarily happening here, but happens in a lot of films, right? Everybody kind of runs, you run into each other, oh, God, we're saved, and the people that are kind of left by themselves, they get killed, and you have... uh, you know, the, these people play this game, which is similar, and they don't realize that's kind of what's happening to them right now. Uh, so Linda decides that she's going to be the one to be the, the main person that hides, and everybody else is going to wait outside. And she realizes at one point she thinks, well, I should say she thinks that Ralph is trying to come in the house, and she actually locks the door when Ed, Big Ed is trying to come in and get her. So she inadvertently saves herself, which kind of funny, but, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. Uh, and she also turns off every light in the house. And the first thing she does, which kind of got me, and then later on, they I don't know why I say they fixed it. But she turned off one light, and everything went fucking dark. Like, there's only one light powering all that light in the house. And then when they cut back to her, she starts turning off other lights, maybe thinking, oh, she should turn off more than one to symbolize that everything's been turned off. So she hides in the kitchen, and then everybody comes into the house. Okay, and this part really, <laughs> it really made me upset. And it's more like the dork brain in me thinking uh, about this versus the, you know, movie brain in me thinking, yeah, this is why I've got to do it. So Blind Man's Bluff is supposed to be played in complete pitch black, right? So that you can't see and you're kind of just walking over the house and that you also, you know, grope people. You play with men and girls, so hopefully you can find the girl that you like and you can grab a boob and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I was just looking for something. Or you grab a guy's junk and you're just like, oh, I didn't realize that that was your junk. You know, and you go from there. But there's so much lighting in this house. Like, even if they turned it, when they turned off all the lights, the windows are wide open, so there's moonlight coming in. And there's a lot of moonlight. And you can easily see, but they pretend so horribly that they can't see a fucking thing in this house. And it just drives me crazy. Uh, I, I just don't know why they they have to act like blind idiots trying to find everybody and the only one that's kind of smart is ed jr who goes off on his own and then when he goes into rooms he starts turning on lights to see if people are there ultimately they find you know uh pam finds linda first and then ralph finds linda and then ed finds everybody and that's the end of the game and they all decide that hey it's time to go to sleep But Pam is still really worried about Mike and Linda, and Ralph tries to calm her down. You know, I'm really worried about Mike and Linda. They've been gone so long. Hey, don't worry about Mike and Linda. They're just having a good time enjoying each other's company. 
You know, it has been a pretty long week for all of us, and they're just relaxing. Yeah, because they're dead. I mean, I'd be relaxing too at that point, right? If I had died, well, I guess I wouldn't know if I had died or not. Uh, But pretty much, uh, they're going to be relaxing forever, and they're underneath the house, in case you wanted to know. So they all go upstairs, and, you know, Ed and Pam go into one room, and Sue and Ralph go into the other. And there's a weird conversation between Pam and Ed Jr. when he starts to try to take off his pants, and then she becomes the ultimate cock blocker. Uh Uh-uh. We have a deal, buddy, and I'm holding you to it. Ah, come on. You know how I feel about you. And I want to. I really do. You know that. But I'm just not going to. Some other time, maybe. But not here. And not now. Hmm. I was thinking that maybe the atmosphere of this place would loosen you up a little. (laughs) Shit! (laughs) You know, you could have at least said, well, will you at least give me a blowjob? Or can I get under the bra? You know, something. Like, we could, you know, not have sex, but we could still do some other things. Reminds me of an ex of mine, but I don't really want to get into that right now. But anyway, so (laughs) she becomes ultimate cock blocker, and we go over into uh, Ralph and Sue's room, and they're starting to get kind of into the mood, too. And at one point that Sue also starts talking about, hey, maybe we should find Mike and Linda, you know, I would feel better if we knew that they were in the house, blah, blah, blah. And then Ralph's like, oh my god, I was about to get laid too. Now you're bringing this bullshit up on on me? I can't believe that you're doing this to me. To which she goes and she says, hey, if you go and check real fast outside, I've got something to show you. And almost starts flashing her boobs. Which creates this weird fucking Benny Hill type scene. Like it's all like super sped up with this really cheesy do 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 You know, like piano man, like. Again, and to make another Family Guy reference, the two piano players, the vaudeville players, if you know the music that they play from the show, if you don't watch the show, don't worry about it. But that's the music that we've got when they say, play me off, Charlie. That's exactly what you get, but it's all sped up, and he runs outside, and he does some weird, like, shimmy-shammy thing, uh, which is hard to explain on a podcast uh, thing at the end of it, and goes to look for them, puts stuff together, uh, and ends up going downstairs to the garage. Uh, he notices uh, that there is like there's something weird about it, and he sees the panties that are hanging up from the door, and he tries to goad both Mike and Linda out. And the thing that he says the most uh, that he won't do anymore is play any more pranks, and then they can come out. Hey, I'm sorry for all those tricks I've ever played on you, and I promise. Hey, I promise I'll never play any more tricks. Yeah, because you're about to die too. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, he goes looking through there. He opens up one of the doors, and who and you know perhaps is there? Why it's Big Ed, and he sticks a pitchfork right through his neck, and sticks him right into the wall. Doesn't have to use one of his hooks. I also forgot to mention earlier that he did hook up Ben Moore uh, to the the wall, and he made like a nightlight chest cavity thing out of him, and was able to actually stick his head back on through some magic. Uh, which actually, again, looked really good. And this looks good, too. The pitchfork through the neck. Really, the makeup guys deserve all the praise in this movie because they did a fantastic job for what this movie is. 
Um, so now there are three and, uh, they're all in the house. Uh, and Pam has some weird, like sixth sense for random noise and random things going out. And she keeps waking up. So she decides when she's still in her nightie to go out and look around the house. And when she does, she notices that one of the doors is open. So she goes back upstairs and she goes to wake up Ed Jr., where he has a nice snappy response to her. But before we play that response, the weird thing is is that she was in her nightgown looking around the house, and then she shows up in this scene, a second goof. uh, Well, at least you could think it was a goof. Fully clothed. Like, she didn't take... Like, she went to bed like that. And it sucks, because he had to go to bed in all his clothes, and she got to go to bed in her nightgown. But yet, she, when she comes to wake up, she's fully clothed. And after she does, Ed Jr. gives her this nice response. Not sleeping together is one thing. Not sleeping at all is something else. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. So... They're going around, and Linda has also gone out of the house, and she is walking around in her nightgown. Uh, they run into her as she's coming back in, which causes them to panic. Whoa, where have you been? Where are the others? I don't know. I'm scared. Something's wrong. Girls, just calm down. No, Mike and Linda have never come back. Ralph went to go look for them, and now he's gone too. Help me find them. All right, all right. We'll find him. Yeah, we'll look around down here. You go upstairs and get dressed. Okay. So uh, I also had this thought kind of at this point in the film and it's, I know it's maybe it's kind of a weird thought uh, and maybe somebody out there could send me an answer for this. Uh, Or if you have your own ideas, you can tweet at me or send me a DM or whatever you want to do. But do you get paid more for dying later in a film? I understand if you're the protagonist or you're the heroine uh, or you're the antagonist, you know, you're probably going to die towards the end of the film anyway. uh, But the minor characters that just get killed, like, if you get killed first, do you make less of a paycheck than the person that gets killed second or third or fourth? Or do you guys all kind of share the same paycheck because you're not going to last as long in the film? Because it's not like they all didn't get screen time, uh, less screen time than the other. They all got actually pretty equal, and I thought Ralph was going to get a lot more. But he's gone for giant chunks of the movie until the point that he dies. But he's still like the wisecracking comedy relief of the movie. Whereas Mike and Linda, Linda doesn't say a whole lot, but she's right there at the beginning where Sue isn't, but she's the first one to die. So does she make less than Sue for this money? Or movie, I should say. Less money for this movie. Um, but that that's just a side thought. So they tell, uh, well, Pam tells Linda to go get dressed. And uh, then when she comes down and they're going to leave, uh, well, they're going to go look for a second. Linda actually sounds like a smart person. We can't leave without Ralph. Oh, yes, we can. Come on. Yeah, that's great. They're just going to leave. Leave Ralph to wherever he is. But honestly, if creepy shit like this was happening, that's a smart way to do it. Get in the car and get the fuck out of there. Don't worry about anything else. And, uh, you know, if something didn't happen and he comes back, we'll get back. And, in fact, they want to go get the sheriff and bring them back. Now, Linda, of course, or I should say Sue, of course, Loves Ralph so much and she still wants to look with him and won't leave without Ralph. Not leaving without Ralph. Just to drive over to the sheriff's department on the main. We'll be right back with help. Not leaving. We've got to come. Let's take one last look around. We'll be right back. One last look. One last look. All right. Okay, you two go around that side and I'll go this way. Uh Uh-uh, buddy. I'm sticking with you. Why don't you two go around this side and I'll go around that side. Make it fast. 
why don't you all just go fucking together? Why do you need to split up? I understand it's another fucking trope. I get it. It's one of those things that makes me want to pull my fucking hair out. But the fact of the matter is, the three of you should have gone together. Because what happens next is probably one of the most painful things I've seen this entire movie. I mean, the pitchfork through the neck was pretty painful. And if this happened to a dude, I think it would be even worse to me. Because I know I would get sympathy pains. But uh, Sue, I don't know why I want to keep calling Linda, by the way. But Sue goes around the other corner, of course, away from the other two. And who's there? Why, it's Big Ed. And Big Ed grabs her by the neck and starts choking her. And he's carrying her into the garage. And at this point, he had grabbed the hook from the inside of the house, but he's got the battle axe. So in my mind, I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna like chop her in half or some shit right now, right? Well, no, he brings her into the uh, the garage and then straps her down onto a table. And I still at this point was thinking, oh, he's gonna chop her into little pieces and that's gonna be pretty gnarly too you know that's a horrible way to go maybe he's gonna cut her head out first or maybe he's gonna like cut the leg and then you know dice her up little bits and stuff like that but no even worse now if you remember in the beginning of the movie uh and i didn't play the clip but there was a talk about sharks and how he you know he used his hook to get this uh shark uh out of the water and you know gut it and that watch the babies pop out uh, and it's pretty creepy, and it's pretty early on in the film. Um, but can you imagine what's going to happen next? I'm going to give you just a second, maybe, to think about it. And, um, yeah, so he takes that hook, and he shoves it up her vajayjay. And <laughs> guts her in the inside, like he pokes it through her vag, and then pulls it out, what looks to be like her stomach or her thigh, and that looks so goddamn painful. Now, I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. And he just did it through the leg. But it looks, I mean, because he like spreads your legs open and forces that thing in there. And nobody deserves to die that way. If, it, if, I was a, if that was a dude and, you know, that those sympathy pains would be coming in there watching the guy get his scrotum punched through by a giant fucking fish hook but it's still just as bad when a lady gets her lady parts uh punctured by a goddamn fish hook and this isn't a little fish hook it's a giant fish hook well now that sue is dead they all come back them being pam and ed jr come back to the shed and when they open the door they find out well they don't really open the door it's kind of very open for them i should say and they find that she's uh that jen has the fucking hook through her badge and they all scream and lo and behold who shows up but ed senior and they're gonna have their final showdown and the first thing that happens is that ed jr locks pam in the closet and puts it in there so that she can't escape and now this is where that blind shit comes in because at this point, I guess it's so dark, even though you can make out what exactly is going on and who exactly that is, Ed Jr. doesn't notice that that's dear old dad at this point in the movie. And so they start to fight and tussle, and it looks like he got the upper hand on him until Ed Sr. knocks out Ed Jr., then ties him up. And he's about to use his battle axe to chop him to pieces, which is, you know, is great. Okay, finally going to use that axe for something. That is your favorite thing that you have in the entire house, by the way. I don't know why you haven't been killed everybody through it and mutilating everybody with it. 
Uh, but Pam is so fucking strong that she's able to get out of the garage and throw something at uh, Big Ed. It's one of those like spear things that you saw from the beginning of the movie, and he, she tags him right in the fucking eye. Uh, it's also at this point that Ed Jr. tries to struggle and uh, get something away from or stop him from going after Pam, I should say. And uh, Ed Sr. stabs the shit out of uh, Ed Jr. with the battle axe, kind of leaving it in his leg. Then what we get is one of the most anticlimactic kills of the whole fucking movie. And it makes me so upset. It's not the fact that, you know, I know who's going to live at this point, right? You got Pam, the virgin, and you got uh, Ed Jr., who's supposedly also the virgin. And you don't want him killing his son, right? I mean, that would make for a horrible movie. It would be, uh, you know, like, I don't know, some really bad horror movie where they do that. <laughs> I can't think of a good example at this point, but I remember there being a, uh, uh, well, if you've ever played the game um, Until Dawn, uh, you kind of know what I'm talking about, but somebody that somebody's brother, he quote unquote dies. Uh, and uh, it was shocking to me the fact that they killed off the family member that early at that part of the game. Uh, and this is kind of that situation as well, where I was thinking like, well, they're probably not going to kill him, right? Uh, and they don't because Pam pulls out, finds a knife somewhere, uh, pulls it out of its sheath, and then charges at ed senior and stabs him in the neck ed senior doesn't even fight back nothing there's no struggle uh only the fact that there's a struggle because he's got a knife in his neck and he's trying to get it out of there but that's it it really is super anticlimactic so she grabs ed jr and goes to the car because it's time for them to leave and of course ed jr lets her know right away that he ain't driving that car because his leg is fucked up they have a heartfelt moment there about everybody being dead, and then they're going to try to pull off. You think he's dead? Oh, yes, he's dead. They're all dead. I can't believe it. Give me the keys. They try to get the car started, but of course, like the beginning of the film, it doesn't start right away. So they decide to sit there for a second, and it's probably just flooded out, and we'll get, uh, you know, we'll get moving in just a bit. In the background, though, while they're talking, you see Ed Sr. get up, and he starts walking away. Okay, so the knife really didn't kill him, and maybe it wasn't that anticlimactic of an ending at all. Uh, they turn the lights of the car, and they notice that the body is gone. Then, uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, good old dad jumps onto the top of their convertible and starts trying to slash his battle axe through the roof of the car, getting at them. He grabs Ed Jr. by the neck, and starts strangling him. Uh, at this point, uh, she reaches over and she pushes in the car lighter. And if you guys, you, most cars still have these nowadays, but a lot of cars, you know, you just use the cigarette lighter to charge most of the things. But they used to have the big ones where you press it in for the smokers. It would heat up the little thing and then you'd hold it up to your cigarette and you'd be able to smoke uh, in your car without having to use a lighter. So he does do that. Uh, and, uh, or I should say Pam does do that and then burns the crap out of Ed, uh, senior's hand. Meanwhile, some more cops show up and, uh, they're trying to call out to them for help, for help, for help. And they don't get out of their car fast enough. So what does dear old Pam do while she slides it into reverse? Cause the car is now started and backs 
Ed Sr. right into a wall, which rips him in half. And that effect is also pretty good. For the time, for 1984, it looks pretty good. And I'd be creeped out if I saw it in a theater. The cops come over, wondering if they're okay. And uh, Ed Jr. looks in the back uh, and makes the realization we can finally see the figure in the light. Jesus Christ. It's my dad. How did you not guess that this entire fucking time? Really? You didn't know it was your dad? You could have seen him multiple times. He's used everything that's in the house. You got stabbed with your dad's fucking battle axe. Everything pointed to your dad. No matter how stupid the script is, no matter how, and this is supposed to be like some like plot twist at this point. You don't know that that's his dad. It's the same fucking actor. You can see him through the whole fucking film. He probably brought you there to kill you. It's ridiculous that this is the point that he he realizes that's his dad. Well, the cop goes over to make sure that his dad is dead. And miraculously, he's alive for one last thing, and that's to take off the cop's leg. And he does that. He laughs, smiles, and he dies. And then we cut over to a hospital where Ed Jr. is recovering, and supposedly Pam's stuck in some type of, like, comatose state. But she's not really, like, unconscious type of thing. It's just that all she does is sit in the same room and just stare out the window because she's probably traumatized by everything that's gone on. And then we get a cheery end theme. whichever one you remember it being uh so the thing i said i would save to the end of the podcast i'm going to talk about right now because it's part of my closing statements for this review you shouldn't give away the fact that the killer is who it actually is going to be very very early on i really thought there was going to be a twist in this film and while watching it i said to myself hey i think that the father's going to be a protector and maybe there's going to be some type of supernatural aspect to this whole thing Then when you saw Linda get drowned, I was like, oh, that must be somebody else. But then afterwards, here pops out fucking dear old dad with the fucking weed whacker killing Mike. And at that point, I was like, fuck, so he is the killer? Okay, there has to be something else that's going to go on. There has to be some other type of twist. And then I started thinking about all these other things that were going on. And maybe it's just the way that my mind works with today's horror movies because they... They aren't as simple as this film is that the, here's a killer and that's the killer. You know, there's usually something else that kind of happens and something goes on. 
But with this, I thought then, okay, well, maybe Ed Jr. knew what he was planning on doing and he's helped him hunt these things and help him hunt, uh, you know, man or kill man or something like that. So he brought all his friends to the house pretending that it was supposed to be like some break vacation and he's going to help his dad kill everybody. And then, nope, it still is just the fucking dad. You gave it away so early on and that's what really ruined a lot of this movie for me is that you didn't need to show that it was the dad that early on when they had those weird flashbacks you didn't need to do that it doesn't make any sense why would you do it and then there's no real resolution or reasons why he did this at this specific time in his life other than he you know blames the son for his wife dying and he's wanted to kill his son for a long time. And maybe the alcohol that he's been drinking suppresses everything that's going on. And finally, you know what he said? Fuck it. I've had enough of it. And my friend can, or my son can bring all his fucking friends here. And then I'll kill the shit out of everybody because I'm going insane. Because I'm drunk with insanity. Is that the reason? There's just, I wanted something more. I wanted something more than just what you see at the beginning of the movie and what gets explained during kind of one fleeting moment about how he has these spells when he drinks that sets up this whole long fucking actions of the father. It, it To me, it makes no sense, and it should have been explained a little bit better or at least had some type of soliloquy or... Um, ending you know monologue that would have given you maybe some more maybe while they're in the hospital and they first go there you know ed jr is saying something about his dad like you know i've always noticed that my dad's had these issues and he's done this but i never thought he'd go this far like talk to the cop something not jesus that was my dad it just kind of ruined it for me i mean it didn't the the film itself is it's not terrible um it, but it's not so bad it's good either. You have really good makeup effects in this movie. Uh, marred by the set design not being the best that it could be. The acting being relatively stiff uh, and a little bit over the top. Especially like characters like Ralph or you know Mike where it doesn't seem like English might not be his very first language for this film. Um to even the uh, crappy child acting you have in the beginning when uh, the mom gets killed. It's just kind of all over the place. And Pam, Pam herself is very annoying. It, I mean, her acting's not bad, but it's all kind of one note. And Ed Jr., his acting is kind of all over the place. Either it's bad, it's decent, or it's way over the top. Uh, so, overall... Uh, for the gore factor, I'm giving this a four out of five. Um, I wish there was more. Like, I wish that you would have seen the actual weed whacker do his damage instead of it kind of being off screen. Uh, but the effects uh, and the makeup for the bodies that were there uh, were fantastic. Uh, for 1984, it looked good. I understand that it was dark, uh, you know, and it's dark on purpose probably to save them some money. But things looked pretty good. And when they did the whole thing where... Uh, you, it looked like he made like a nightlight out of Ben Moore's chest cavity. That looked great. Uh, and I would definitely uh, like to have seen some more of that stuff. And the fact that, you know, the killings they did were, were relatively good with the exception of uh, Linda, who just died kind of plain. But Suze was the most painful out of this whole film. 
uh, and that's why it gets a four out of five. Uh, the fun, I mean, it's a one out of five. I think there's some really good moments that are entertaining and that I laughed at, uh, that I thought were fun, but there were just so many things that I was just scratching my head at like, why doesn't this make sense? You know, even to get as nitpicky as with the skinny dipping scene, like, uh, it was just so cheap. The music choices just weren't right. For a lot of the film, you have this thing, you have this cheesy-ass intro music about fall break, and then even the music that they use throughout the thing, it goes through, and those that really fucking cheesy Jason-style sound effect that they used, it just kind of took me out of it, and uh, it didn't make it as fun as I thought it was going to be. And The Craft Factor is 4 out of 5. This, this is actually a pretty crappy movie, and you could have fun with it, you could really like this film, and there's nothing against you liking it, because everybody has an opinion, right? You can disagree with mine, or you can uh, agree with what I have to say. But it is a pretty—it's a pretty bad movie, I think, just from a lot of choices. And you know, it would be interesting to see the other film that Bobby Cooper did, um, just to see if uh, time has changed anything, and to see if he was just a writer on that film, to see maybe if somebody else took his work and how well it actually worked on that film. So for our next film, uh, this was voted on by the listeners uh, on my Twitter page. And we're going to go with uh, the classic from, uh, geez, 1997. I can't believe that this movie is that old. But we're going to look at a little film entitled Alien Resurrection. These were very, very hard to come by. So was our cargo. Whatever you got going on here ain't exactly approved by Congress. It's a military operation. Really? Who are you? Ripley Ellen, Lieutenant First Class, number 36706. Ellen Ripley died 200 years ago. You're a thing, a construct. They grew you in a lab. What the hell is going on here? He is breeding an alien species. I wish you could understand what we're trying to do here. Now they brought it out of you. Not all the way out. You want to tell us what this is? It's a queen. She'll breed. You'll die. Ellen Ripley died trying to wipe the species out. I'm not anxious to see her taking up her old hobby. I can feel it. I can hear it moving. So he, like, ran into these things before. Yeah. What did you do? I died. We're moving. That's a standard emergency procedure. Any serious problem and the ship autopilots back to home base. What's home base? Earth. You 
bawah. That's right, before he wrote The Avengers and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I believe it maybe it might have been around that time, it's Josh Whedon's <laughs> Alien Resurrection, uh, starring Sigourney Weaver and uh, one of my favorite actors of all time, Ron Perlman. So, thank you for listening. As always, you can find the podcast, uh, our Twitter handle is T underscore T underscore Terror on Twitter. Uh, you can always go to facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast to check out little videos uh, that uh, I try to make for the films. Um, I'm going to put up the death reel uh, for this film so that you can see some of the deaths in it. Uh, there was a nice YouTube video that I'm just going to link from my page, uh, as well as uh, a little bit of the Russian overdub version that i talked about before so there'll be a little bit of that up on the page and also i did try a facebook live uh stream of this uh and you can check out the first about 15 minutes of this movie which are relatively slow and this is probably not the best movie to try on it but it was a trial uh and you can check that out if it's still available up there uh it's usually only available 24 hours i believe after it's up uh but you might be able to Check it out after you've listened to this if you're listening to it on the day that it's released. Uh, if not, I'm going to try to do more. So please like and subscribe the page uh, or the Facebook page, uh, and I'll try using there. Or if you're following Terrible Terror on Twitter, uh, I may be doing it through Periscope, uh, which you can follow along live. And you can make comments and comment along with me. Um, it'll be weird watching a film through a app like that. Uh, but it'll be kind of fun to watch it with a bunch of people uh, and comment in as, you know, I'm doing uh, my thing too. Uh, also, you can always email ideas over to terribleterrorpodcast at gmail.com uh, and like, uh, rate, subscribe on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Blueberry, and Google Play. Uh, especially where on iTunes, I know if you uh, aren't a subscriber on there, but any reviews and ratings help this podcast get seen more by more people. And I would definitely appreciate that if you like listening to the podcast. So don't forget for next time, uh, we will be watching Alien Resurrection. I thank you for listening and talk to you soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.